and welcome to Small Town Mysteries, a show where three longtime friends from Massachusetts tell crazy and heartbreaking true stories filled with the extra flair of small town mystery. I'm Kate, here with Christine. Hello. And Rachel. Hello. Bringing you our next episode. But before we get into that, I'm going to toss it over to myself, where I will be highlighting the missing person for this week. As our ongoing listeners may know, each week we choose to highlight a currently missing person. We provide updates when they are available, which is not always easy for us to do. So if you don't hear an update on a particular person, um, that's because we haven't been able to find any info on them. We also post their images and contact information for police or whoever is investigating on our Instagram at smalltownmysteriespod. So today we are highlighting Raja Adriana McQueen, who disappeared on June 26, 2001 from Cleveland, Ohio. The FBI is offering a reward of up to $25,000 for information leading to the recovery of Raja Adriana McQueen and or her missing 2018 Neon Sentra. More on that in a moment. Raja is 5'6", with black hair and dark eyes. She is a black woman, and she may have ties to the east side of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Here's the information the FBI provided. The FBI Cleveland Violent Crime Task Force and the Cleveland Police Department are seeking information from the public regarding the mysterious disappearance of 27-year-old Raja Adriana McQueen. McQueen was last seen in her 2018 Nissan Sentra at approximately 7.30 a.m. on June 26, 2021, in the area of East 131st Street and Harvard Avenue in Cleveland, Ohio. Her car was later seen being driven by another individual with two new bullet holes, one in the roof and one in the rear passenger's door. The vehicle's appearance had been altered, with the hubcaps being removed, as well as the license plate, and a dealer plate was visible in the rear window. With that information, if you have any additional information concerning this case or Raja's whereabouts, please contact the FBI tip line at 216-583-5383. The field office handling this case is Cleveland, and... If you live in that area, please keep an eye out, share any information you may have if you think you've seen the car or Raja. But we will have pictures on our Instagram account at Small Town Mysteries Pod the day this episode comes out. So please look there and hopefully Raja is found safely. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Uh, Rachel, this is your case this week. Today I'm going to be covering the case of Ree Jervison. So in November of 1969, a body was discovered in the brush off of Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles, California. This is not a small town. Clearly, this is LA. So I feel like Kate today. Sorry about that. This unidentified woman became known as Sherry Doe informally, but more formally as Jane Doe number 59. It took 46 years for this woman to get her name back. Jane Doe number 59 is actually a woman named Reet Jurvidson, who was murdered at the young age of 19 years old. On November 16, 1969, Trevor Santochi, who was only 15 years old at the time, was hiking in the hills when he saw something about 20 meters down a hillside, which made him stop dead in his tracks. Immediately, Trevor turned around and ran home to tell his parents, and then they all called the police. Apparently, he immediately knew that he was looking at a dead body, which is, like, how traumatic, right? Yeah, I would imagine that would be insanely traumatic for, especially at that age. 15. Which, so that's what I thought, too. And then I was kind of surprised to find this. I literally found something that said, 
He says he's he wasn't traumatized, but it's something you never forget. Which is fair. Yeah, I mean, different terminology, but I don't think it's too far off to say traumatized might be an accurate description. Yeah, especially if he's saying, like, it's something you never forget. Reet was found fully clothed, but did not have an ID on her. There were no signs of a robbery, since she was found still wearing jewelry. There were also no indications of sexual assault. She was stabbed more than 150 times. What? 150? Yeah. That is That's like... Overkill. The definition of overkill. There's no way that many stab wounds were necessary to uh, cause death. I think the weapon was like a pen knife. So maybe not like... But still, like 150 times is still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So Reet was stabbed multiple times in the upper torso and her neck area. It was very evident that Reet fought for her life. There were multiple stab wounds on her hands, indicating that she tried to defend herself. In addition, there were no drugs or alcohol found in her system, and her internal organs were labeled as unremarkable. So this happened about two months after Charles Manson ordered his followers to viciously murder five people in Roman Polanski's home. Which made a lot of people skeptical that the Manson family was involved in Reet's murder. But that was really just because of how close it was. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later. Yeah, everything, I feel like at that time, everything was like, oh, it's got to be like the Manson cult. Like everyone's, it was very akin to the satanic panic in that regard. That it very much like swept the area as the explanation du jour for like a lot of the crime that happened around then. So, I, yeah, I think it makes sense that people would be like, yep, Manson cult. So now I'm going to go over distinguishing characteristics of Jane Doe 59 or Sherry Doe. Initially, the young woman was believed to be between the ages of 20 and 23. She was 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighed about 112 pounds. The woman had green eyes, tinted dark brown hair. She had vaccination scars on her left thigh and left arm. She also had a one-quarter-inch horizontal scar located underneath her left breast. And then she also had a birthmark on her right buttock. In addition, she had several fillings in both her lower and upper jaw. All right, so now we're going to go through the pictures. Here is the original sketch of Jane Doe 59, which was released shortly after she was discovered. And then if you keep going, there's another picture of her. It says early post-mortem drawing of Jane Doe 59. I mean, yeesh, you don't expect them to be flattering, but... I know. They're Did you, pr- particularly unflattering, especially no, that go first to the, one. Go to, no, look at the third one. The oh, artistic no. rendering. Oh, no. Well, and I, I also feel like I... The picture right at the top of your script was a picture of mm-hmm. her, like an actual picture of her, so I feel like I know what she looks like, so I'm like... Oh, is this one of those cases where the drawing looks so much like her and you're like, wow, how did they not? No, this looks nothing like her and it's not flattering. The third picture, it has features Mm -hmm. of hers, but it's like they're all just put together wrong. Yeah, in like the worst possible way. (laughs) And then here's a picture of the clothing that she was wearing. And then also a picture of jewelry. That was found on her. And I just included it because it indicated that it wasn't a robbery. 
I feel like there's no at least clear sign of motive. Like there's no sexual assault, no robbery. So why? The only other thing I guess would be anger for some reason. Anger or just a person who enjoys killing people. Evidence suggested that Reet's body was put in the backseat of a car and then dragged out of and around the car and then thrown down a ravine. However, her body did not fall all the way down since something stopped her fall. I think if I remember correctly, it was some kind of branch or a small tree or something. And then if you look down, there's pictures of where her body was found, investigators. Fifteen days after Reet was found murdered, a street maintenance worker found a pair of black prescription glasses near where Reet's body was found. They were found about 18 meters away, which for me and you is about 60 feet. Thank you. You're welcome. From Reet's body. So 60 feet is pretty close. I would say that's close enough to maybe think they could be hers. In my, you know, professional investigatory opinion that I totally have as a professional investigator. The only thing about them is that they were Liberty brand, which was available across the whole U.S. at this time. So many thought that these glasses could have belonged to the person who murdered Reet. Police stated that it appears that these glasses were for a very nearsighted male. But they never came out saying that they were they were related or anything like that. Jane Doe, 59, was wearing several items of clothing that were manufactured outside of America. Which, when you have an unidentified body with no ID or anything like that, you have to get creative. And it's crazy to me now because you think about it. And if anyone looked at any of our clothes, like, that would not help. Well, she's got a Shein sweater, but the jeans are American Eagle. Yeah, that tells you nothing. That doesn't tell you anything at all. She had clothing that was made in Spain and Canada. And therefore, it was theorized that she had been a native of a country like Spain or Canada. Her cutoff shorts were from Massachusetts. And then the brass buckle on... The belt she was wearing was made of brass and had two colored rings, one white and one yellow. Within the yellow ring was a red stone, and then the white ring had Native American designs and was manufactured in Mexico. Which I know, like, doesn't really seem relevant, but when that's all you have to try and figure out who somebody is. So, identification. The L.A. Police Department announced that Jane Doe number 59 also known as Sherry Doe, was identified as 19-year-old Reet Sylvia Jervitson in 2016. In December 2003, an LAPD detective submitted DNA evidence to be uploaded to NamUs, which is a national database for unidentified missing and deceased individuals. In June of 2015, a family friend was looking through the NamUs database where she came across a picture of Jane Doe number 55. She immediately notified the Jurvetson family, and then more than 46 years after Reed's death, DNA from a member of the Jurvetson family revealed that Reed was, in fact, Jane number 59. At least her whole family knew where she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so did this family friend, like, they looked through the database, and the picture was, like, one of the pictures we saw? I th- I think so. I think it also could have been um I saw a picture that that picture that like kind of creeped us out. <laughs> the artistic rendering I mm-hmm. think was based on like an 
an actual picture of the body. So I think it was that picture. Mm-hmm. About Reet. Reet was a Swedish-born, Estonian-Canadian woman who was born on September 23rd, 1950, and was the youngest person in her family. Her family fled Estonia in 1944 during World War II. The family moved to Canada a year after Reet was born. And Reet's sister described her as a lovely, free-spirited, and happy girl. Reet loved art and enjoyed sewing her own clothes. Anne said that Reet developed a taste for adventure and freedom while she was a teenager. And in addition, she was naive and too trusting of others. So before Reet went missing. In the fall of 1969, Reet visited California. And she automatically fell in love with it there. And she's like, I'm moving here. It makes me happy. On October 31st, 1969, she sent her family a postcard explaining that she decided to stay. She described her apartment in L.A. as nice, and she also told them not to worry about her because she was happy. And if you scroll down, you can see the actual postcard written in their native language. And then underneath is a picture of it translated, because obviously we cannot read that. So it read, Dear Mother and Father, The weather is nice and the people are kind. I have a nice little apartment. I go frequently to the beach. Please write to me. Hugs. Reet. This is the last known communication written by Reet to her family. Reet had moved from Montreal to L.A. just weeks before she was murdered, which nothing makes it easier, but you just move somewhere and then you get murdered. And this seems like a trend in the cases I've been following because this happened in, um, I don't know. The Thrasher family? The Thrasher family. As time went on, the family stopped hearing from Reet. They figured that she was just happy and making a brand new life for herself. And part of me thinks, too, like, did the American dream aspect, like, play a role in this? Especially because her family were immigrants and it was, like, that time of year. Like, not not that time of year. It was that era. That era. Thank you. That era. Mm-hmm. It was, like, really talked about then. Right. Yeah, like, a lot of families at that time probably came to America thinking, oh, this place is safe, you know, like, Definitely. the American dream. Nothing bad can happen to you over here. Nothing bad ever happens in America. Well. You know, bad, bad people exist everywhere. Mm-hmm. Who knows, maybe she even, like, didn't really know the Los Angeles neighborhood and moved to a not great area. Like, there's so many things that can happen when you first move to a place. And then it's crazy thinking about now where I feel like if you didn't hear from your kid who, like, just moved somewhere – at least, like, my mom would be freaking out. Like, she would want to hear from me every single day. My mom would have a total panic attack if I didn't text her back within, like, three hours. And that's that's generous. It's usually, like, a half an hour. Yeah, I live, like, 20 minutes, less than 20 minutes away from my family. And sometimes my mom will text me at, like, I don't know, 9.30. And if it's, like, 10.30 and she hasn't heard from me, sometimes she'll literally call and be like, Christine, what has happened to you? And I'm like, Mom relax I was like doing mm-hmm. work or something you know right or like but, I left my phone in the other room or I yeah. was focused on something and it's like ah it's like no my mom does the exact same thing but like back then that was so much more normal because we didn't have cell phones <laughs> where we could communicate like I I don't know how like parents existed back then <laughs> constant panic 
was going to say probably a lot of untreated anxiety disorders. <laughs> oh, goodness. But then again, I feel like people were more trusting as a whole. Like, we've gotten way more guarded as time has went on. You definitely heard a lot less, I feel like, about things that you do now. You know, like with media now, it's, yeah, they still in newspapers, but it's like we're bombarded every day by bad news. Right. And I feel like then you heard, like, the worst of the worst. You didn't hear, like, the everyday bad things, if that makes sense. Like, so you send your daughter off to go live in Los Angeles and you're like, yeah, Los Angeles, where the celebrities are. And you're like, not even thinking about, you know, how many varieties of small town crime there is, robberies, stuff like that, that happen on a much smaller scale. But you would maybe know about like the Manson murders because that would be like the big thing. But then you wouldn't consider sort of other smaller, normal, everyday dangers. Because they don't get the same media coverage. I don't know if it was. I think it, I think such since it was so not normal to be like in contact every single day with people, they might not have been like people in general might not have been as panicked about it. Like it was right. just kind of like the way of life where ah oh, you reach out like every week or two or you know on a monthly basis and that's just like mm-hmm. what's normal and they're just doing their thing. Whereas now it's like we have the ability to contact each other like every minute of every day and it's mm-hmm. like you don't hear from someone they they're Freak so out. easily contactable. You're like mm-hmm. what the fuck? No, totally agree. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about. So here are some quotes from Anne, Reed's sister. Attempts were made to reach her, but they proved fruitless. Initially, we believed that Reed was probably in search of more autonomy, and therefore we waited for her to get in touch with us. And then in reality, it never even crossed their mind that something awful happened to Reed, which is just so awful to be struck with that. Like, after just being like, oh, she's probably just, like, living her dream, like, making a life for herself. And then here's another quote from Anne. Inevitably, they thought that she would just show up one day. Which we've talked about that before, about, like, the amount of hope um, people involved in cases like this have. Mm-hmm. And then here's a picture of Reet and her sister Anne. All right. So, Manson Family Connection. A woman closely watching the description of Jane Doe 59 was seen a few days before being murdered with inhabitants of the Spawn Ranch. The woman who reported this believed that the woman's name was Sherry. And therefore, I'm guessing this is how they got the nickname Sherry Doe. The Manson family was only considered a suspect in Reet's murder purely because of how close she was murdered to where the five people had been murdered on August 9th, 1969. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and Reet was murdered in November, so about two months after this. So it was obviously still fresh in everybody's mind. They were they were all apprehended immediately, though, right? The members of the family that committed those crimes? Like, they wouldn't have still been... It would have had to be different people in the cult, is my point, right? Yeah. Maybe they were just thinking that it was like... A, it might have been a popular place to... Right, or maybe the cult was still active, you know, like, even yeah. those months later, even after they'd been caught once. I also just think it was it was played up so much by the community. You know what I mean? Because this wasn't necessarily, this was not, LA Police Department came out and said, this is not it. The Manson mm-hmm. family is not connected at all. Right, but, you know, at the time, I mean, what they did to Sharon Tate was horrible. So, 
I get why everyone was like, oh, but I wonder. You know, it's like every, uh, as we record this, there's a missing inmate in Pennsylvania. How many, you know, potential things could be attributed to him in the in the coming week or so before he's apprehended? I think we'll have to wait and find out. So I don't know if this is accurate, but Charles Manson apparently denied being involved in her murder twice. Like once before she was identified and then even after because she was identified in 2015 and he passed away in 2017. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is plausible. still alive when she was identified. So police department does not think that this is possible. The Manson family was not involved. I think it was just because of how close it was and it had just happened. Mass hysteria. So now I'm going to go into persons of interest. At the time of the murder, Reet lived in the Hollywood Executive Apartments, which consisted of 64 single rooms. Each room had a bathroom but had no kitchen. Reet lived in apartment 306, and then on her floor, there were 17 other suites. So the number one suspect in Reet's murder is John or Jean, how it would be pronounced in Montreal. Um, Because a lot of people do say that he was from Montreal. So he is a person of interest by the LAPD. And like I said, he's he's identified as the most likely suspect. According to Reet's family and an L.A. cold case detective, prior to her murder, Reet was smitten by Jean, and she had scraped her money together to go visit him once he relocated to California. Jean and his other friend, Jean. Because that's not confusing at all. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like the most French thing I've ever heard. Hi, my name is Jean. And and here's my friend, Jean. Okay. Which is especially hard when you're looking for two suspects because they're also looking uh-huh. for Jean number two. Oh, jeez. Wow. That's confusing and inconvenient. So they they shared a one-room apartment while Reet was there. The apartment complex was torn down in 1989. So that's made things really difficult for investigators because obviously they can't track down who was living there at the time, so they can't find Jean or any witnesses, or Jean number two. Jean had traveled all the way from Canada to meet Reet in California only a few weeks before her murder. One of the two Jeans told Reet's best friend, Gilda Green, that Reet left after staying with them for a couple weeks. She did not tell either of them where she was going. She had told friends in Toronto and Montreal that she was on her way to visit her brother, Green described Jean 1 and Jean 2 after running into them in Montreal in 1970. So here's a quote. She remembers Jean number 1, who she ran into Montreal in 1970 as being short, in the 5 foot 6 inch range, having black hair, blue eyes, and a French accent. Jean number 2, whom Jervison went to visit NLA, It's described as being more than five feet, nine inches tall, with brown eyes and long feathered hair. Jean, who they're really interested in, always has like a description of a slight, at least French accent in most sources. So on July 7, 2016, detectives interviewed a witness in Montreal, Canada, about Jean. 
This witness remembers meeting Reed and Jean in 1969 and provided a sketch. So the guy on the right is the associate. So I I would say Jean number two. I know how they described like it was number two was the one of interest, but I feel like that's number one should be the one of interest. And then he's on the left with his feathered long hair. It's a look. And then I also found this picture too. And it's so weird to me that they both have the same drawing of the other Jean, but then these ones are different. The second suspect is M. Lindhorst. Very mysterious sounding, if you ask me. In 1969, a person by the name of M. Lindhorst lived in apartment 305, which was directly across the hallway from where Reet and Jean stayed. It is unclear if M. Lindhorst is a male or female, and it is unknown if they are still living. And then here are just some quotes from the family members. Anna has come forward saying that she is still tormented about what happened to her sister. Like, absolutely horrible. And it's still unsolved. Just because she was identified does not mean that her killer was identified as well. So we're still trying to get justice for Reet. Another quote from from Anne is, Finally, after all these years, we are faced with hard facts. My little sister was savagely killed. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to accept. And it's also hard, too, is because I couldn't find any other information about her. Or, like, really even much about her family. That's tough. But she was so pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a lot of pictures of her in here, which is something that I could actually found an abundance of, which was at least nice. Yeah, I feel like that happens every now and then when we have these cases where there's no info and there's not really any pictures and we have, like, the same one photo. But there was a lot of uh, pictures here, a lot of pictures of her, a lot of pictures of, you know, sketches of her, of the suspects. And very intriguing how that works out sometimes. So, like I said, this is still an open case. So, if you have any information at all, please contact the Robbery Homicide Division Cold Case Unit Detectives Louis Rivera and Veronica Conrado at 213-486-6810. During non-business hours or on weekends, calls should be directed to 1877-LAPD-247. Okay. And then anyone Wishing to remain anonymous should call the L.A. Regional Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS or you can go directly to www.lacrimestoppers.org. So for the, the people, um, you said that they haven't been located. No. and But there is like a warrant kind of not for their arrest, but like they want to be talked to when they just can't find them or they're like they I think, think they're, they're running like one- away. Yeah, I think they're just, like, wanted to be talked to. I don't know if, like, Jean was involved, but if he was, he probably just, like, fled back to Montreal. And they believe they're still alive? They didn't really say anything like that. Because I'm like, either they died before or, like, they're really sus. If they're not coming forward, it likely means that, like, he did commit the crime. I mean, I would I would imagine that given that we only know the first names and no other identifying information except for maybe the fact that they lived in Quebec at some point. We don't have any information on these people, so it's not like they can, you know, say, yeah, it is exactly person A 
and he's already dead. So that explains why he hasn't come forward. It's like, we don't know who it is and we don't know why they haven't come forward. It could be because they're dead. It could be because they're suspicious. Like there's just so many unanswered questions here. There's like no record of anyone who lived there. Like they didn't have that. I guess not. I guess there wasn't really like much of a paper trail back then, but they didn't and have the building any... burned down. Mm, you so could all pay of their cash. records were I don't know how much effort was initially put in either. Yeah. I mean, if they lived in the building, I feel like a lot of people probably lived in the building. Right? There were sixty four apartments in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Not a single person like came forward being like, oh, yeah, that person was named John whatever. Yeah, that guy who lived in 14B or whatever. Yeah, like, oh, like, I know his last name. Like, no one knew them. That well, is okay, so, so odd. I think the problem, no, I think the problem is she wasn't identified until 46 years later. Yeah. So nobody, like, so it was in 2015. Everything mm-hmm. burned down in 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just so- weren't able you yeah. have records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's it tough to have unanswered questions like that where you think there should be a record that explains it. But no, there definitely should be because, like, she deserves justice. Of I agree. She does. Well, thank you. <laughs> kind of a bummer note to end on, but um, yeah. Thank you for your research and for looking into this. I have never heard of this case before, so I always Me love. Neither. Uh, learning I, about new cases, especially like older cases, I think they're interesting. Honestly, mm-hmm. this was like a really good way of finding a case. So I just typed in. It makes me look so bad if you ever look through my history, like we talked about this last <laughs> week. But I was just like, murders, nineteen sixty nine, because my whole idea was it's episode sixty nine. So I was gonna do something from the year nineteen sixty nine. But then Wikipedia has it like that. They literally just have like a list of murders by they year. Do. They do. I've used it before. Anyway, thank you for your research. Check out our Instagram at Small Town Mysteries Pod. We'll have some of those pictures up that we were talking about, some of the sketches, as well as actual pictures of Reet Jervitson. And we'll also have information on the missing person highlighted in this episode on that Instagram account. Also, DM us if you have any suggestions for ideas. We love absolutely love getting dms someone dm'd us today and i don't think i told you guys about this yet but it was from one of the episodes where we asked people to send us pictures of their cats we really yeah i i love that so much and and i don't even remember when that episode was but it was a while ago so if you're listening to older episodes i love that too send us a dm if you want to make my day send us pictures of your animals yeah we'll throw that out there again if you want to dm us pictures of your animals we will gladly receive them and we'll brag about I have enough of an internet following that people just send me pictures of their animals because I said so. So um, that's bragging rights in the podcasting world. We randomly got like another silly goose comment. And that episode was from like over a month ago, I think. It's just I love you guys. I love you guys. Uh, Oh my gosh. Wow. I still can't believe we have listeners. Oh, it's so weird. Okay. Um, Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Come spiral with us next week. Bye. Bye. I dropped off early on that one.